0: We need a rebel.
1: and welcome to The Revolution. Welcome to an Informed Life radio on 1150 AM KKNW and streaming live to CHD TV. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager. And joining me as co-host today, I've got Bob Runnels of Informed Choice Washington and also of the Washington chapter of Children's Health Defense. Hey, Bob.
2: Hi, Bernadette. Thanks for having
1: me. Oh, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, sir. And joining us today is our other co-host. We have Javier Figueroa, PhD. There he is. Hello, Javier. It's so good to have you back on today.
3: It's good to be back.
1: Yeah. So, you know, this, this show is probably... going to be one of the most important conversations that we have. Uh, I'll start off by saying that the views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of our wonderful radio station where we enjoy free speech or CHD TV, Um, but um, they're just our own opinions and our own concerns that we're going to be bringing up here. And this first hour, we are going to be talking about the increase of censorship everywhere you look. Now, uh, Bob and Javier, the 4th of July, we saw that fabulous ruling um, that was Missouri v. Biden that told them, I mean, that judge just waxed poetic and did every quote he could on free speech and its importance in this great republic of ours and, you know, kind of knocked down the Biden administration's attempt to censor Um, however, it seems as if we've got this runaway train that this barely dented, you know, all the wheels are in motion in so many places to continue to shut us down and it shut down. Anybody goes against the narrative. Um, so it's important that we celebrate the victories like we saw on the 4th of July, but we keep our eye on everything because if, If they've already got possession of so much of our control of our media, control of the science journals, control of our um, federal oversight agencies, if they get complete control over our speech, you know, this great republic is no more. And, you know, I I don't tend to be a, um, you know, the sky is falling kind of girl, but seriously, this this is massive, um, trying to criminalize free speech. So that's the focus of this first hour. And uh, joining us is Dr. Rennie Moon, Dr. Renata, Renata Moon, but she goes by Rennie. Um, and she has experienced uh, her uh, censorship in aspects of her life as a professional. So we wanted to ask her to join in on this very important conversation. Welcome to an Informed Life radio, Dr. Moon. Yeah, thank you for having me on. So I'm going to let you go ahead and tell listeners, tell the audience about yourself. I would love for you to tell a little bit about, you know, your history as a pediatrician um, and as a doctor and your thoughts on things, you know, like sort of maybe (laughs) Mm pre-COVID and then the evolution of what, you know, eventually brought you to this radio show today.
0: Yeah, well, as you said in your introduction, thank you. We are living in extraordinary times, aren't we? With what yes. we're seeing, and so just to summarize, without going on too long, I, I'm a pediatrician. I practiced. I've practiced pediatric medicine for my whole career, which has been over 25 years at this point. And I really never imagined that we we would see ourselves in a situation like we're in now. My my family, my parents are legally immigrated to America back in the 1960s uh, from a communist country so they they fled they escaped their communist nation to come to America by themselves they just had like a dollar in their pocket they had their dog with them they, they always taught me you don't you don't leave your dog your love let your beloved dog to communists so they, they were <laughs> able to get out with their dog And they fled to America for freedom. So they really represent the millions upon millions of Americans that have done the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Many, many decades. And so I was born here in America, I um, was was taught that, you know, the traditional American dream that you work hard, you contribute to society, you love your nation, and you can do so many things here in America, just that that American dream. And I do want to say before I move on that, that I really like to emphasize when I talk with people that, you know, people don't just flee their nation because it's an amazing place. They flee because it has literally become a living hell. And that's what happened to my relatives. They watched horrible things happen under communism. And and that's why all the other millions of Americans came here also fleeing from communism. So, so I grew up, I attended a top U S medical school. I worked hard. I'm not trying to, to brag. I'm just setting the stage for where, I am today. And um, I, I did, I followed the rules. I did everything I was supposed to do to become a pediatrician. I'm double board certified in general pediatrics as well as in pediatric hospital medicine. I trusted our regulatory agencies. I did. I saw them working, I thought, when I first began practice in the late 90s. I saw our regulatory agencies pulling some of the products off the market. The, it particularly rotavirus vaccine, they pulled it from the market because of less than 100 cases nationwide of something called intussusception, which is an intestinal problem. And you know we hadn't seen any cases of any of that in my practice where I had just started. But you know we trusted the agencies; they said they were being cautious and they pulled it. And it was years before the rotavirus vaccine appeared on the scene again. So I trusted these agencies, you know, moving forward and. I guess if i had to summarize i would say that over the last 10 years i have increasingly seen propaganda entering our media entering our medical journals entering all the things that we need to be able to successfully practice medicine i've seen it infiltrating everywhere and and just like many in the public have right what we refer to as fake news is the same thing as propaganda is the same thing as lies but but they're intentional lies meant to mislead people and to push a narrative, and so I've seen that for for over ten years. But I but I honestly didn't quite link it to my medical world. Still, I still thought my journals, the the steamed journals that we've looked at for for years in practicing, I still thought they were intact. I really did. I I, I don't even know what else to say. And, and then COVID came um, and hit us all. And you know, we could spend hours just talking about what we all saw during COVID, but my summary there would just be, I saw, you know, things happening that made no scientific sense. They were not logical, they were not sensible. They didn't even follow basic rules of microbiology or ethics. I saw ethics go out the window as we all did. And it woke me up to, to really the horrors of what is, um, I think, pretty obviously happening to our nation. Our country is on the brink. We're about to lose our country. And um, so I'm here to tell my story of what has happened to me over the last year or two that has really, um, that really showcases how we've lost our freedom of speech, how we've lost our ability to critically analyze uh, what we're seeing, how we've lost our ability to take care of patients in a sensible, logical way, how, how we're losing our republic. We, we really are. So
1: Yeah, excellent. I I agree with um, every word. And what I find really fascinating is that you as a medical um, expert, you know, in your field, you are seeing things out there that you consider to be propaganda and misinformation. The very word misinformation and propaganda is a weapon, it seems to be weaponized, because we see things and it's like, well, here's here are the facts, here's the data, what you are saying, which is usually public health, CDC, FDA, you so-called experts Mm -hmm. is is wrong, right? Um, But then they're turning around and saying, what we're saying is misinformation. So it's this battle of who's right about what's misinformation, what's disinformation, and, and when in human history have the powers that be in government sources turned out to be right, and the masses who have everything to lose and nothing to gain by standing up and taking the arrows um, been wrong. That's never happened. Um, we gotta go back. I wanna back up just a little bit. I wanna show you where it really came to my attention. The And in hindsight, I look back, I can see the weaponization beginning of the term misinformation and disinformation. This is from 2017. There was a UW class, and this is a Seattle Times article on it. Let's see if I can scroll down and see the name of this class. It had the word BS in the title. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. Calling, I'll just say BS in the Age of Big Data, a University of Washington course. Um, So this really, because we were always, even at this time in 2017, those of us in the Medical Freedom Informed Consent, movement, we were, um, being, um, it, they were accusing us of spreading misinformation. And then Dell Bigtree famously coined and informed choice, Washington borrowed, um, the term, the, the saying that it's not misinformation, it's the missing information. Mm-hmm. So in 2017, though, I belonged to uh, science writers, uh, organization. Cause I was writing, um, Fiction, but it had accurate science in it, and the two professors who taught this BS course were speaking to the science writers. So I went, and it was so appalling because I already knew you can't trust the journals. You have to look at the clinical trial design. You have to look at the authors. You have to look at their conflicts of interest. You know, um, there was so much I had already learned at this point, and of course. I had read the full story of Dr. Andrew Wakefield, I had read the study, I had read everything written about him on both sides. And I knew that this man had been totally thrown under the bus as an example of why you don't stand up against the pharmaceutical industry profits. Um, But they were using Dr. Andrew Wakefield as an example of misinformation and so i politely like raised my hand because they were they were giving false quotes in a bs you know presentation and i said what you're stating is wrong this the case series study that dr andrew wakefield published with 12 co-authors that was based on 12 children whose parents brought them to the hospital because they had started experiencing gastrointestinal issues as well as regressive autism following receipt of a measles containing vaccine did not conclude that there was a correlation. In fact, they emphatically stated, we did not find an association between the measles containing vaccine and the symptoms described, but we, we call for more research. And so I told them this, that you, you just need to go look at the study. It's retracted, but you can still read it. Look, they refused. And I I followed up this, there were several other things that just, I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand the the uh, corporate capture of these journals and all that. So I followed up very politely with lengthy examples, you know, of what I had seen and they just would not correspond with me. It, it, it was just, it was absurd. But that for me was really a wake up call that they're going to be using the term misinformation against us to really further shut down the people they consider to be anti-vaxxers. And we just want informed consent, safety trials, you know, medical freedom, all of that sort of stuff. And then let me share uh, one more with you to show you how this is, this is just a, whoops, a, a small example of of the stuff that's out there. Let me go back. Um, so I was looking up the term, trying to figure out where the terms came from. So disinformation was the word of the year in 2019. The year before, I believe, misinformation was the word of the year. Um, so the, the whole concept, when we hit COVID, they were ready to go, all hands on deck, Already, the major media players, your major universities. Um, If you go right now, um, do I have one more? I'll pull it up a little bit later so we don't take a lot of time on it. But if you go right now to the University of Washington, there are several courses that you can take um, where students are taught how to spot misinformation. And they generally will be stating probably shows like mine, children's health defense, you know um, any alternative media as not being reliable, and the New England Journal of Medicine and the CDC and the FDA is being absolutely reliable. This is what is being taught in universities all over the United States, and they have these courses in high schools now. Um, you know, even when my a couple of years ago when my son was um, doing some online courses, it would be as they're learning how to do research papers they would be told which sites were reliable, which weren't. And all the ones they said were reliable were the sites I absolutely did not trust. There were ones that I used and then I'm going to be quiet here, but because you know how it is. I mean, I know for sure, Renata, you, you probably are in this as well, but I know Bob and for sure Javier for a very long time now, you have to go to the CDC for certain information because they're the only kids on the block. They're the ones gathering the data. They've got it, but they're also, putting out there the public messaging that's that is not a proper interpretation of the data so you have to utilize them and quote them um but you also have to say you can't trust them which is a very difficult place to be right you know (laughs) very convenient um okay so here you are then um then dr moon um and you're seeing that things have gotten really bad. Is there anything about your experience during COVID? I know you've got some things going on that you're not at liberty to discuss, but what about your current situation can you discuss?
0: Well, I have a few things I wanna say. I think um, the first one is I, I always give a disclaimer and my disclaimer is that I'm here just, like you said at the outset, these are my own thoughts, my own experiences. I'm not here representing any employer or entity. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be really crystal clear. I will be labeled most likely by somebody as anti-vax, and that would just be laughable because I represent the many millions of pediatricians who really were were tricked by this, who trusted these regulatory agencies and were tricked by much of what we see unfolding right now. Um, I've spent my whole career as an, as an advocate of traditional childhood vaccines. I, I believe this, and I'm really not, I think, prepared to say much more right now than just that, I think that we need to go back and look at all the studies. We need to look and see what studies were done, what was done in combination with, you know, one type of vaccine and another. We need to go back to square one with that. My focus right now is strictly on what's happened with the COVID-19 product, because this is where, this is where um, it became glaringly obvious that something is really wrong. And every day, like yesterday was no exception, every day I get phone calls from more and more pediatricians and other physicians who are waking up to this, okay? So there's, mm-hmm. there's good news out there. They really overstretched with what happened. Um, and obviously we have questions. How long has this been going on for? How long has this been? But with COVID, we realize that we have no voice and we have no ability to look at this data and to question it. So to call me anti-vax would be laughable you know, but someone will. And, but nonetheless, they've, de- they've redefined anti-vax as meaning that you ask any questions at all. So yes, so here we are with COVID-19. And I realize that the listeners are, you know, some, some of them may be very baffled by this. It's like, well, this person says this, and this one says that, how am I supposed to know who to believe when it's a ping pong ball between one set of people and the other? Mm-hmm. I would just point those confused viewers to one fact, and that's undeniable. And that is that they are silencing our ability to even have a discussion and to even ask those questions. So where in, a, where in US and world history, actually really world history, where has it ever ended well when one group has silenced another group? You mm-hmm. just don't do that in science. And that the very fact that we're being silenced and we're being censored and we're being threatened for just daring to ask questions should right there tell you that there's a problem. Right there. And then yeah. we have that dialogue because science is built on a foundation of questioning and, you know, discussion. And we have been kept from doing that. So, so what you're alluding to are some of the things that have happened to me during the last two years, simply for asking the question of, of you know, what's happening, what's going. This yeah. product safe. So, I'm going to jump into, if it's okay, what happened with uh, the medical school? I've I've had affiliations with many medical schools. Uh, this is with Washington State University, the Elson S. Floyd College of Medicine. And, but I want to be clear about that as well, I, about two things. One, I don't mean any harm to the school or to the students who are in it. We just need to fix this system. This system is not something that we can sustain moving forward. We cannot have a system where people can't question and where our students are not being allowed to critically think and to really you know, learn how to do the things that we all learn how to do in medical school. That's number one. Number two, I actually was one of the faculty members that was there at the outset before the school rolled out. I was there. I sat on the LCME accreditation team. I helped with the admissions committee. which was huge amounts of hours of my time. I was on it for three years. I sat on their diversity committee for three years. I don't mean any harm to the school. My point is not to single out the school because This is not something that I've done. This is the school coming after all of our freedom of speech. And I'll get into that in a minute. So my point with it is that this is happening nationwide. It's not just one school. This is happening nationwide in our medical education system. And we need to focus on what we're going to do with medical education across our nation. So what happened with me was in in the last year and a half, I have become increasingly alarmed about the dangers of this COVID-19 mRNA shot. For our nation's children. Our nation's children have essentially a 0% statistical risk of a fatality from catching COVID-19. Most of them have already had it by now, okay, and they might have been hospitalized. They may have had, you know, a need for IV fluids or had some inflammatory issues, but in terms of the fatality, they've had essentially a 0% risk of that. Yet, we are seeing people push a new experimental genetic product on them that really didn't meet the definition of vaccine. The definition had to be changed to accommodate this. So a brand new platform product onto our nation's children where we don't have any idea what the long-term consequences are. And we know that the short-term consequences, even by the CDC's own admission finally, they're, they're, they're nasty consequences for some of the kids who've had this. Inflammation of the heart, uh, neurological conditions and even fatalities that have been attributed to the shots there are autopsy proven fatalities that have been attributed to these shots so we can't just carte blanche say oh let's just give them to our nation's kids when they have a 0% statistical risk of a fatality from this illness what are we protecting them from we need to be protecting them from us at this point <laughs> we need to sit down and have a conversation about the risks and benefits of this and you know other nations have pulled this so that's a whole nother discussion that needs to be had. And yet we've been silenced. So your medical community has been told that all we can say essentially in many, many clinics and many settings is we have to stay safe and effective when it comes to this shot. And we can't say other things. Uh, that is terrifying. Okay. We are in a terrifying place to be told this. So I, I've seen kids with or I have direct knowledge of kids with issues that clearly happen within a week or two, the younger you are and something happens to you within a week or two of getting this experimental genetic shot, the more obvious it is that something has happened as a result of that product. Dr.
1: Moon. Yeah. Um, sorry to interrupt. This is so important. Everything you're saying. Can you explain a little bit more about how an employer pressures a practitioner to only say you can only say it's safe and effective. Mm-hmm. I, what, I mean, this is so novel to, I imagine, your experience as a pediatrician where mm-hmm. you were likely encouraged to anything you're going to prescribe to your, your patient that you looked into to make sure it really was safe and effective for that patient, mm-hmm. you know. Um, how, how did that... How did that manifest? Did did it come down in a written memo? Was it verbally told to you? I mean, how did that unfold in the real world? Yeah, so it's
0: happening in a different way nationwide. Some places maybe, you know, some states are still relatively free. And their pediatricians may be watching this and saying, well, it hasn't happened to me. Okay, But others are very much being squeezed. And mostly on the West Coast, we're seeing this. But we're also seeing this from Midwest states. So, yes, I have examples of memos. I, I've showed one of them uh, at, in my talk in Spokane back in May. I don't know if we have that to post, but it's a redacted version from a pediatrician who uh, practices in another state. Uh, this is just the example of the memo that I, we have many, <laughs> but that's one of them, who the employer directly told her, I'll, I'll have you read it for yourselves, That we, we can post it, but it directly told her that her behavior needed to improve. And by behavior, they meant you need to start saying safe and effective with this, with this and not having informed consent discussions with families because this pediatrician had been having true informed consent discussions.
1: So blatant violation of uh, uh, their right to informed consent and in blatant sure. violation of emergency use authorization regulations that said that, you know, you had to be told the risks and benefits of this product and had to be told it was your option to get it. So correct and
0: this yeah, I, was fired because ultimately after this memo came out, she refused to continue to do what the employer had asked her to do and, and lie to patients. And so she was ultimately fired. So we have a number of pediatricians who are um who are in that sort of situation and other physicians across the country. So yes, absolutely this is happening. So they need to and in some places it's happening by the form of peer pressure. So letters to, to pediatricians from a from a chief at the clinic or from a lead administrator saying, are you not on? We need everyone in lockstep here. Are you not on board with this? Because if you're not, we need to talk. And these physicians are then, you know, understandably concerned. They have mortgages to pay. They have bills to pay. They have families. They don't want to lose their whole career. And so they're they're going along with it at this point. Um and that's where we are in america today it's It, it can be a yeah. variety of situations, but yes, there are actually even memos with it spelled out.
1: Well, thank you so much for that It's so important. I want to let listeners if you If you work in the medical field and you were bullied and felt like your job was threatened um, for speaking truth um, or in any other aspect during all of this, we encourage you to contact Informed Choice Washington. Um, Just contact at informedchoicewa.org because we're beginning an anti-bullying campaign because not only were patients bullied, but practitioners have been bullied. And this is just, it's dangerous as well as ethically absolutely wrong. So um, we are gathering stories, we would love to have more. So anybody who wants to put it out there, if you don't feel comfortable um, putting your name out there, um, we're happy to share it anonymously. Although, you know, we do really feel that it's going to take everybody clasping hands and standing up publicly together to end this. Yeah, so. fully,
0: fully agree with you. It's really hard to stand up for people. And and again, we have phone calls and people reaching out, physicians reaching out Yeah, very often. I mean, I had I had a phone. I had several yesterday actually from from physicians saying, wow, I didn't see this. Thank you for opening my eyes to this. Uh, you know, it, it, people are. Growing and there, there are growing numbers of people who are absolutely seeing this. But we, to find the courage it's going to take everyone to say, "Okay, one, two, three, we're all rising together," because it's going to be hard for people to do this individually and to, to face the wrath. And so, so anyway, to, to finish my story, I, I um, this, again, this is not about me. This is about all of our freedom. We cannot continue down this road. I have been speaking out publicly for the last year and a half or so about. My concerns, and I've been very careful not to name employers. I've been very careful about that through all my, you know, many many uh, engagements. To be clear, I don't. I'm not reimbursed for any of my speaking ever. I I pay out of my own pocket. I'm alarmed about the direction we're going, um, but I did speak. I was invited by Senator Ron Johnson to speak in Washington D.C. in the Kennedy Caucus Room on Capitol Hill at a fact finding event regarding what our concerns are about the dangers of this COVID-19 shot for our nation, for our nation, not just for children, but for everybody. And so I attended, I took time from my medical school. Uh, I took personal leave. I flew myself to Washington DC so I could testify at this event on my personal time off. And again, not just it's not just my right to speak, but it is actually my obligation to speak about something. And so I did that. I did what my US senator asked me to, to do and come come tell him and the rest of the panel what my concerns were. As a result of that, my employer in March of this year, the medical school, sent me a memo and I it's available to be posted. I'll let people read it. The first three points on it about how I didn't take appropriate personal leave and all these accusations. I have documents and I took personal leave the way we always do it. So, and it and honestly the event happened on a Wednesday and I never teach on a Wednesday anyway. So it was my day off, it's my personal time off. So that's all that's all smoke and mirrors. But it's the fourth and the fifth points in the memo that I want to call people's attention to. So in that memo my employer told me that it is their ethical obligation to report the words that I spoke again on my personal time off in Washington D.C at the request of a US Senator, that it's their obligation to report those words to the Washington Medical Commission, because I may have spoken misinformation. Now, as the daughter of parents who fled from political persecution, and as an avid reader of history, I'm sure the listener will agree, those are chilling words. Are we really playing Stalin here? I mean, are we really going back to Stalin and other dark times in world history? It really appears that we are. And so the, the fifth comment on that memo, the fifth point was that I may no longer be suited to teach their medical students because according to the memo, we'd have to read the exact wording, but uh, something about how they follow evidence and that's implying that I don't. So again, I will say that what I said at the Senator Johnson event, there was nothing that was not factual. We are seeing an increase in myocarditis, that's inflammation of the heart. We are seeing that. That's what I said at the at the event. I opened up and showed a blank package insert from a box of mRNA product that doesn't tell anybody what's in the vial in that box. If it says intentionally blank on it, I said we're being silenced and threatened or something similar to that. Uh, which, as if this isn't further evidence of of that, this memo. And I said other nations have banned or restricted this product for their young people, and that's absolutely true. So we. I, we are in a very interesting world now where employers uh, believe that they can silence us even on our personal time off uh, and, and, and honestly I interfere even with my ability to practice medicine. I can't practice medicine appropriately if I am silenced, and I can't have a conversation with a U.S. Senator at a fact-finding event, which means that you, the public, are silenced as well. We're all being silenced and threatened, and, and this has to stop.
3: What's what's interesting from the memo uh, that uh, was that was released on you know Wazoo basically you know saying being very naughty was yeah. complete and utter uh, 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 they were trying to smear you yes. by making a very one a blatantly false accusation because like you said you have the receipts and by putting that one first and then putting the more egregious ones down mm-hmm. below which is a classic uh, marketing uh, strategy of Mm -hmm. lead with the most uh, obviously wrong but sensational uh, news announcement, but basically put everything that's important down at the bottom, which is it's a hit job. It's an absolute hit job that that they've done on you. And this is my interpretation, not yours. You're not making any statements on uh, with regards to this. So, When I see this, it's absolutely chilling. And more to the point, I don't think we're sliding into uh, Stalinism right now. I think we already are. Yeah. But people are fighting back and people are asking questions, but we're already there, unfortunately.
1: Um, I'd like to ask all three of you um, to give your thoughts on the implications of this, of where it's going. What happens if this precedent of telling the nation's medical? practitioners that they have to say something is safe and effective. And even to flip that around, let's look at ivermectin to say something is not safe or effective when it is Um, at threat of job loss, career loss, reputation loss. And then even now moving toward, we're seeing um, former president Trump uh, having um, the department of justice filing criminal charges Against him, which include um, in essence, if not the exact words, um, charging him with criminal acts of misinformation I, I would love to hear your thoughts on um, on the dangers of this. Um,
0: do you want you want me to start? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> my family fled from this. I've said that so many times. This is, this, is, this is what nightmares are made of. This is what so many people have fled from to America. To, to even be sitting here having this conversation and to see it playing out again is surreal to me. It's horrifying to me, and it's been stressful. My mom, when she was in her 20s, was in an adjacent room of her college when they, they came after, they came for one of her professors. They came for him. He pushed the door gently so that they wouldn't know that she was back there so she could hear better. And they were berating him because he was doing something that they did not like at his college. They led him away. And she never saw or heard from him again. This is what's happened time and time again in history. What had he been accused of? She heard what he was being accused of. He was being accused of teaching Mendelian genetics. Mendelian genetics, and she was in a college just up the street from the monastery where Greg Mendel did his famous green pea experiments. Okay, this is this is this is the stuff of nightmares. We we are already there. I agree with you. We are already in that world. And the only way to stop so that I can think of for this to stop is for all of us to speak out. That's the only way. We have to defend our, one another, and we have to speak out because by sitting silently. We are ushering this in. And there are amazing quotes out there by people much stronger than me that say, you know, I, the complacency is the, the, the steps towards tyranny, right? We're seeing this play out. This has played out before in world history. This never ends well. This never ends well in world history. Millions of people die as a result of these kind of tyrannical regimes coming down. Now, I do want to say, two more things. One is I have never, I'm very fortunate, but I'm also a careful physician. I'm not perfect, but I've actually never had a lawsuit against me. I've never had a board action against me. I have worked hard for my whole career. Like I have a, I have a clean record. I'm not saying everyone loves me, like, right? Not everyone loves ever, anyone, but but I've done my level best for people. And as a result of that memo, and as a result of my speaking out, uh, Well, actually, I should say it differently. I spoke out because I had concerns. I received a memo from the school in March, and then a few months went by. And in June, two days before my annual contract as a faculty member was to renew, the school elected not to renew my uh, employment. with them. So effectively terminated me. So I, I, I lost my position at the school. I love to teach. I, I, I've loved being a professor of medicine along with being a pediatrician, but we'll let the viewer look at the memo with my um, non-renewal letter attached and, and make their own decisions. But uh, yeah, this is, we can't allow this to continue because as I look out my window right now, we are already in a world where if your physician is told that they have to say something, by pharmaceutical companies and by these corporations and by the entities that control everything, the level of corruption is so big. And there's no liability to them for many of these products. What will they inject us with next? What will they inject us with next? We are already in that world right now.
1: Yeah. Oh, agreed 100%. Who wants to go next? How about, how about you, Javier? What, what are your thoughts about the implications of this precedent of what was done to the medical community, the silencing and control?
3: One, one thing that I have to say, and I, I don't, I know that, you know, everyone has their own uh, threshold, but the, the, the absolute level of uh, willingness to not look and stay silent, um, and I have to say this, and if anyone's offended, I don't care, Uh <laughs> If you didn't, if you saw what was going on and you said, I'm okay with this, yeah, you would have given up Anne Frank. So welcome to the Nazi Party. Sorry yeah. to say that. You did not stand up when you needed to stand up. And that is gonna that is gonna be a stain on you professionally and as a human.
1: Yeah, and I think you touched on one of the the most frightening aspects of this odd war that we are in, and it literally is a war, is because it's coming at you from your like experiential life. You're being told things. It's not soldiers coming to the door. It's your employer opening the door saying, hey, get in line or, or you're out of here, which is it's an odd thing to have to stand up to. It's it's odd dynamics. and And I do think that some people got it more quickly than others. Bless you, Dr. Moon, you got it quickly. Um, You join the ranks of the other heroes of mine that had spectacular um, careers that that were honored with no black marks. You know, we're talking about Dr. Peter McCullough and Dr. Paul Merrick and Pierre Corey and um, so many others. Um, And you're right up there with them. And I mean, that's saying something once the best of the best were the ones stepping up and rising out and they're having to take down the best of the best, you know, that just it's it's very concerning. I I do pray that some of those who have not yet stepped up because of this odd confusion of the place you're in, it's not like, like I said, soldiers come into the door, but they're there disguised, that they, um, they eventually do see the implications of playing along to save themselves. And I've always said during COVID, I've got nothing to lose. You know, I don't have a job, I completely volunteer. Um, And yet, you know, it is time, it's time. Bob, so Bob, you and I are both um, you know, we're, the, we're on the consumer end, we're on the patient end. You're the son of a chiropractor, which is a, a, such a noble profession and, and health practitioners that have a long time stood up against this, the arrows slung their way. What are your thoughts about what's going on?
2: Well, from that perspective, Bernadette, I feel like uh, I'm numb to the arrows on behalf of the chiropractic profession. And when they won their uh, defamation lawsuit against the AMA, almost 30 years ago now, um, that kind of even the story of that court case win has been put down the memory hole in the internet. You can barely find a record of that court win where the chiropractic association won against the AMA. So I, I see a lot of the similar things where just the narrative is turned. It's amazing the engine out there that exists to, to make narratives work even with our internet, which is supposed to be a more free and open communication tool, there are powers at work that are controlling the, the way that uh, the feeds work. We know we're suppressed on various media. Um, and we're now seeing with the Bi- Missouri v. Biden, we're starting to see, again, the exposure of the government controls at the throttle of the narrative with mm-hmm. very large platforms like Google, Facebook, and YouTube and Twitter. Yeah. Um, um, I wonder, let me finish. I'll, I'll get to yeah. the question that might involve Renata a little more, too, is I wonder now with all of this, uh, the public health apparatus and the messaging being pushed down into the doctor-patient relationship, I mean, how does that, that's got to be so uncomfortable now for most doctors, even if they are uh, believing the public health messaging and going along with it, it's still got to make the, the pa- doctor-patient Visit, really awkward right now. That's, that's kind of my thought on the moment.
3: Yeah,
1: I would think so for, for the patient and the doctor.
2: <laughs> both, both. both. Especially the do- I'm, I'm trying to put myself into Dr. Uh, Moon's shoes and, yeah. and that doctor-patient conversation now. But for somebody yeah. who's seen the risks and wants to speak out and the others who have seen risk and aren't speaking out, it's just got to be, it's going to change for a long time
1: make it more difficult to go to work every day. Dr. Moon?
2: Yeah.
1: yeah, Are are you, so are you still practicing pediatrician and in a way that you can now um, live, you know, practice ethically and and not be pressured?
0: Yeah, I actually um, gave up my Washington State medical license under duress because of this, and I can't make any further comments about it because of the because I was speaking out and I knew they would come for me too and for my license. So I I gave that up. It's a, it's a matter of another, uh, uh, lawsuits. I can't get into the details of that, but, um, we're, we're pushing back. We, we need to push back. This is, uh, this is, again, I want to point out that I, no one's ever accused me or other there are other physicians out there in the same situation. I've not been accused of malpractice. I've Mm -hmm. not been accused of anything to do with direct patient care, I have been accused of simply asking questions about and and stating my obvious concern about the dangers of a product. And and the reason I'm concerned is I have direct knowledge, direct knowledge. I've looked in the eyes of parents and relatives of people whose whose children and loved ones have been harmed by this product. And some have even passed away clearly from this product. Mm. I can't unsee that. No, I have the responsibility to speak out, but by speaking out, I know I'm putting my license um, at risk. And and so I I no longer practice in Washington state and um, I'll I'll leave
1: it at that. Okay, very good. And and my own um, own notes on this particular topic, I go back. The United States is one of the maybe one other nation on the planet that allows the pharmaceutical industry to advertise. And I had not realized the massive danger of them advertising. I used to think it only meant that they're going to try to convince you that this wonder to get their wonderful product without giving you all the risk information. And you go to your doctor and you ask for it. I thought it was merely unethical sales. What I hadn't realized is when you allow pharmaceutical companies to advertise. All that money goes to all the major and social media and then you've captured the media. And so the pharmaceutical industry becomes either their own tool for their own profits or they're easily hijacked because they've got this influence everywhere. And hand in hand with that. Oh, we lost Dr. Moon. I'll be back. (laughs) Okay, Hand in hand with that is um, off label. Um, uh, marketing to doctors and and even the on-label, the schmoozing of the doctors, a, as it were. Um, prior uh, to the, um, what was the, um, oh, Obama was in office, the 21st Century Cures Act off-label marketing was illegal. Uh, pharmaceutical companies did it anyway because um, it was so highly profitable. They knew that the profits would far exceed the fines. And so they would do that. And so they would push things and get doctors to recommend them until they became standard of care. And once something is standard of care, the pharmaceutical industry and the medical industry have these things. It's almost impossible to knock off the pedestal. And practitioners are made to fear deviating from standard of care, lest their license be in jeopardy. You see how the marketing ties everything up. It's all about the marketing of the product. And when we lost control of the marketing of these products, um, we like loaded the guns for whoever mm-hmm. wanted to, to take away our freedoms with fear of disease. Yeah,
0: I would, I would just add that, yeah, this has been here for quite some time now as I look back on my own career. So I think back to the early 2000s, like 2002, 2003, I was, I was fairly new to practice. I was in an office where we had the, we call them the drug reps. The drug reps would come by constantly and try to catch us in between patients. And I honestly never had that much tolerance for the drug reps because they were always kind of in my way and I wanted to do my own research. But, but I remember there was one there one time who was pushing a, pushing a, a cream that people were to use for eczema for young children. And I said, show me your studies that show it's safe. And they they couldn't produce any studies, um, they couldn't produce anything. And I said, "Well, you want me to prescribe this and slather this all over a young infant who has like their whole body surface area pretty much, and and you don't you can't tell me it's safe." I said, "No, thank you. I'll stick with what we already do." And I know is you know I know the side effects of that, and what I and ultimately that product a few years later ended up with a black box warning on it for young children because it turned out it was actually quite dangerous. So.
1: I, I, I have to interrupt you because holy cow, I was glad for my m- maternal instincts 20 years ago when my mm-hmm. son had his first anaphylactic allergies and we realized mm-hmm. his eczema was was connected to the vaccines. Mm-hmm. Um, I was referred we were referred to a traditional um, allergist and mm-hmm. in the office, he handed us a sample of a eczema cream that mm-hmm. was not licensed for children. Mm-hmm. And just said, here, you know, try this out. We can yeah. get you a prescription. And I th- I'm like, no, I'm not going to put anything like yeah. that on my son.
0: Not samples and everything. But what I remember most from those days were there was one time, it really opened my eyes. Although I didn't see all this coming, right? None of us did. But as we morph had a few decades, but um, they actually, the drug rep that came one day knew what I had prescribed in terms of antibiotics and medications for the preceding month. I had no idea they had access to data like that. I was horrified. I was like, what do you mean you know? And and she was like, yeah, just very flippant. She's like, yeah, we just pull your pharmacy record and we can tell like you, you prescribed this antibiotic this many times, you prescribed this other one this many times. Yeah, that was, that was in the early 2000s. That wow. is terrifying. Why would they have access to, in, to information like that? No. And it's not
3: illegal. It's not illegal because patient health is protected. There's nothing showing who got it, and uh, it's legal.
1: So how is it legal, though, then for, for them? Where do they get the information from? If patient I, from the pharmacies, presumably,
0: I don't know if they're still doing it, but they were back in the early 2000s in Houston, Texas, when I practiced there, I it really opened my eyes. And after that, I actually quit talking to many of the drug reps. I thought, I don't want them tracking me. I, I'm prescribing the very basic things and they're, they're working just fine. I don't need their fancy million dollar antibiotic when I've got my basic one that works just fine but they have increasingly over the years gotten us into a point where we are falling into lockstep with one another. And, and it's been largely protocol driven, right? Like you follow this protocol. Now protocols are fine up to a point, but not when you expect everyone to follow them and not deviate from them. But they're the last three years, increasingly like, it's like, wow, you're not doing this. Well, we expect you to do this. And we expect you to do that. And many of these clinics now are turning into, um, Mach- machines for protocols where the physicians are really no more than just someone with a degree, but no license to to think about what they're ordering and what they're doing for patients. It's, it's really rather terrifying the last few years. Um,
1: so. Yeah. I mean, isn't that like one of the cardinal rules of being a physician is to treat the person before you, not to use some standard thing. I mean, you could consult to that to see, do I believe this will work for this particular patient? But to now punish you for not for, for to punish you for treating your patient as an individual with individual needs, unique genetic susceptibilities, unique health situation, everything. Um, it, it's frightening. And they're trying to, they're they're pressuring the industry, medical industry on that side, and they're also trying to influence patients on the other side through making um, society feel that anybody who believes in natural healing natural immunity natural medicine ivermectin all of that sort of stuff that they were crazy so it's really interesting this and it it's just you know it's the it's the pharmaceutical industry's absolute they must be in heaven right now with what they feel like they've accomplished however they they're also a little nervous because uh, more and more people every day are waking up. Many
0: people are waking up and I imagine they're probably not in,
1: in heaven as much as they are at Martha's Vineyard and places like that. <laughs> yes. This is where we are. I'm going to need to turn off the video just for a minute, but I'll be right back. OK, so. and and we only have one minute um, and then we're going to be wrapping things up. Um So when she pops back in, we'll give uh, Dr. Moon the last word. But Bob and Javier, until she gets here, any 15 second thoughts.
2: (laughs) Well, you took the conversation exactly where I was hoping I was going to ask Dr. Moon about, uh, how many, uh, drug reps has she interacted with mm-hmm. and certainly ones that might be promoting certain vaccines as well
1: yeah and i hear the music so that means it's time to go uh bob and javier will be with me the next hour but we're going to be saying so long to the wonderful dr rennie moon you can reach her at pediatricians speak at gmail.com dr moon bless you good luck with everything thank you for being on the show thank you for having me on thank you all we'll Bye. be back in a few minutes
2: if you're looking for a publication that delivers honest takes and critical insights into the issues of our day, then look no further than The Flame Paper. The Flame Paper is written for the people, by the people, who aren't afraid to challenge a mainstream narrative, be it health care, voter fraud, political correctness, or even the one world government. The Flame is full of timely articles, reports, and expert advice written by freedom loving, truth telling experts, journalists, and concerned citizens. To subscribe, go to The Flame USA.
1: During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org.
3: Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life radio and visit the website, informedchoice.org www.informedchoicewa.org It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today. We need a revolution.
1: Hello and welcome back to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 a.m kknw and streaming to chd tv i am back here with bob runnels glad to have you back and and it looks like nathan had to jump off and and go to work again so uh, it's just you and i uh, chattering this hour but we've got a lot of really important topics to cover so i'm uh, looking forward to this next hour of conversation um bob i want to say a big thank you for finding us dr moon um, I know you've been engaged with her for a while on this journey she's been on. And thank you for bringing her here to the radio show so more people could discover what she's been through and the, the huge problem that she's experiencing that seems to have actually captured not just the United States medical system, but medical systems around the world.
2: Yeah, you're welcome, Bernadette. It was very important that uh, we hear from her. She's been Increasingly loud and and taking her message to many platforms lately, and was, mm-hmm. she's a Washington uh, was a Washington practitioner. So we, we yeah. recognize the fact that she's another doctor, basically being chased out of the state. Um, I wanted to mention too, uh, mm-hmm. in regards to that, uh, we kind of ran out of time. I wish we could have gone longer, and and we lost Javier. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's too bad. He got called to work. So yeah. She's uh, ha- she has uh, many classes that she's taught at her university work, and we've had uh, one of her students reach out to us, and we'll be featuring that student's interview.
3: Oh, in nice next
2: newsletter! So uh, the Dr. Moon saga in our state continues.
1: Yeah, and um, you know, Bob, this might be a good time to bring up uh, another Washington state. Uh, physician that recently was, um, r- we wrote about in the newsletter that went out. I think I've got that to share. If you want to talk a little bit about, um, the, let's see if we can go ahead and, and share this here. Here we go. Um, I'll bring that over a little bit closer. S- um, What's uh, his name down here? We've got a UW assistant affiliate professor was very brave. Um, do, are you familiar enough about this to, um, to tell listeners about this story?
2: Uh, no, probably not. But Kevin Bardosh is, uh, I guess, his, his main clinical uh, teaching is done in Edinburgh, Scotland. Mm, okay. um, but he is... Uh, affiliated here and, and teaches at UW as well. Yeah. So, yeah. The, the, the main thing is it's another hearing, another hearing in DC. And, uh, the senators were asking questions, uh,
1: Well, I'll just go ahead and read it because I think it's it's important here. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Gerald Broad for, um, you know, with Informed Trust Washington. He organizes this newsletter and writes some great articles for us. So it says UW assistant affiliate professor criticizes COVID-19 shot mandates at congressional testimony. Just a month after Washington State University terminated Dr. Renata Moon's contract for reporting on the harms of COVID-19 shots in children at U.S. Senator Johnson's roundtable discussion last year, University of Washington Assistant Affiliate Professor Dr. Kevin Bardosh criticized the COVID-19 shot mandates at a select subcommittee hearing at the nation's capital. The July 26, 2023 hearing titled, and quote, Because I Said So, Examining the Science and Impact of COVID-19 Vaccine Mandates, um, evaluated the necessity and effectiveness of overreaching COVID-19 shot mandates and looked into the erosion of public trust that stemmed from coercive vaccination policies. And um, they also, Gerald provides a link to an article by Children's Health Defense there that folks will wanna read. The UW faculty webpage shows that Dr. Bardosh has no current affiliation with any professional organizations or outside work, although he has worked in the past for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Wellcome Trust, that's with two Ls, and a large number of other health science agencies. And I'm just gonna segue or or squirrel off and say that, you know, obviously those are agents, Agencies and entities that we vehemently disagree with their um, direction and their power and their control. Um, However, he did work for them. He has, uh, or did work with them. He has co authored over 30 peer reviewed publications and has edited two books. Dr. Bardosh is one of nine authors of the May 26, 2022 analysis in the BMJ Global Health titled the unintended consequences of COVID-19 vaccine policy, why mandates, passports, restrictions may cause more harm than good. At the hearing, Dr. Barosh detailed the findings of his BMJ research paper, and I won't read the whole thing. I do encourage you to go to our Substack, informchoiceawah.org Substack page, and you can read this entire thing. Bob, I think the main point that I would like to to kind of bring up in my conversation with you about Dr. Bardosh is this so much about um, like the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation, the Wellcome trust, the um, the world health organization, so many entities that you and I have grown not to trust, put such a beautiful spin and story on what their goals are. Um, they want to save the planet. They want to help people. They want people to be healthier. They want to stop the spread of disease. They're concerned about overpopulation. They have all of these things that are all wrapped up in in pretty ribbon and everything. Um, and so, there are, I would say that the vast majority of individuals who who volunteer for or work for with these agencies and entities truly believe they're doing a noble thing because much of what they're doing is is there's good intent on their end Uh, or the people who you know they, they believe what they're being told what the ultimate goal is but I love the fact that Dr. Bardosh is a critical thinker in the midst of all that Right. He he's associated with these um, agencies and yet he has retained his ability to think critical, to step back, look at policies, see where they could go wrong, where the harm could be and articulate that. And I totally respect that. Now, he might not be with us everywhere. I don't know where he is on vaccine safety science, um, you know, on and the concerns of censorship, like we've been uh, talked about in the first hour. However, the fact that he's a critical thinker, willing to stand up and say something um, in a very public way, gives me hope for the future, that we can stop this trillion dollar uh, industry, uh, the global powers that want to utilize that industry to serve their ultimate goals of control and taking away our freedom and all of that stuff. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it just encouraged me that an insider was.
2: (laughs) Right, right. I think it's interesting. So uh, our form, our previous guest, Dr. Moon, she spoke from the, the pediatrician perspective, and that's Uh, you know, working with patients one-on-one and and in a clinic and and working with universities as well as a teacher, kind of at the bottom level of the healthcare provider spectrum and public health tries to come in with these big global studies and and protocols that people are supposed to use. And I think that's one thing that's been so difficult to criticize. Mm -hmm. And that is, and that criticism provided from uh, a single doctor uh, providing that skepticism against a, a vaccine for kids has caused her problems just from that ground level. But the, the point I'm trying to make here is that Dr. Bardosh now he's challenging the public health narrative. Yes. And that's very brave. And to quote yes. the author, uh, the side comment from the author of our article at our Substack, he's a hero now. We to see this goes. I expect a lot more news uh, about his testimony. And, yeah. Uh, kind of pushback against the public health uh, policies.
1: Yeah, I, I agreed. I, I don't I don't have to agree with everybody's stance on everything in this whole crazy world we're in here, but I really respect an individual who's willing to stand up and go against the grain if they believe in that aspect. You know, to think critically and stand in that when they see harm is being done. I mean, I am going to read one more uh, sentence at the end where Dr. Badosh said in testimony, there is no doubt in my mind that these mandate policies are going to be responsible for the increase in distrust the next time there's a pandemic and the mobilization of resistance to a future vaccine in a future pandemic. And I think it's really shocking and kind of a little bit sad that my colleagues in the public health community who are pro-mandate don't understand this. And then there's a bit of a question answer back and forth. So Representative Joyce asked, did the COVID vaccine mandates from your research, from your publication with others erode civil liberties? Dr. Bardosh said, yes, it did. Dr. Joyce, did the COVID vaccine mandates fracture trust in public health officials? Dr. Bardosh, yes, it did. Dr. Joyce, did the COVID vaccine mandates create financial stress on individuals and families who lost their jobs to the COVID mandates? Dr. Bardosh, absolutely. Dr. Joyce, do you feel that the decrease in individuals receiving routine pediatric immunizations for their children, do you feel that is due to the mandates of the COVID vaccine? Dr. Bardosh, yes, I do. Last one, Dr. Joyce, do you feel that the COVID-19 vaccine mandates have harmed America? Dr. Bardosh, yes, I do. And wow. that that's a true american hero right there just I, I that's what we need we need to get back to dialogue bob you know dialogue has been shut down for so long between um between the public who public health serves you know and all of these entities how long has it been where if we have safety concerns we're limited anywhere from five minutes at the most, if you're the only public speaker to show up at a board of health meeting, or a vaccine advisory committee meeting, you get five minutes. If several other people show up, you might get as little as one minute to have to have your say. They do not answer you. They don't engage in dialogue with you. And they never reach out and respond to you later on. It just goes into this vacuum. That's wrong. That needs to change. And it's It is alarming that it takes a congressional hearing for somebody like Dr. Bardosh to be able to stand up and and voice his concerns because he was not given a platform anywhere
2: else. And I was very happy to hear him voice some of the concerns that we've said to our boards of health here in our state many times. This is going to lose the trust of the public. Mm -hmm. And we worked hard at Informed Choice Washington to bring forth ideas, to we thought they'd be open and honest, meet you in the middle kind of ideas to help them restore trust in public health, and I think they're definitely no. losing a, such a large portion of the population. Uh, it, it, well, and, uh, and you, you know policies in any of their messaging.
1: I suppose it had to happen, right? Because since public health is unwilling. To stand up and speak the truth, because they know if they spoke, if they did speak truth, that vaccination rates would drop. Period. They would have to drop because there is no science on this planet that says ninety-five to hundred percent of children in the world can safely receive one or all vaccines on the CDC recommended schedule. If you, if if practitioners truly were to treat every child. As an individual, when it comes to immunization, vaccination, rates would drop. Um, Doctors would space vaccines. They would not administer them so early in infancy. Some practitioners would likely, with the products on the market available today, likely cease vaccinating altogether this would be medical freedom and informed consent and public health would have to look into their toolbox and dust off. (laughs) Let's dust off some other things like, Hey, how about fresh air, um, exercise, sunshine, eating right, staying home when symptomatic, um, early treatment protocols with off the shelf, um, tried and true, um, Treatments to treat symptoms and help you get to natural immunity. They refused to go there. Therefore, they refused to admit they were spreading misinformation, telling lies, doing what you know, they thought it was for the greater good. Um, so I guess it has to happen. The distrust must happen, Bob, um, in order for it to remake itself. And we're but we're talking about a trillion dollar industry that has a stranglehold on public health and they're not going to let go willingly. This is a monster.
3: Um,
2: it really is. Yeah, sometimes I'm just amazed at looking at the the forces arrayed to encourage vaccination. Oh. And 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 the misinformation category now is being thrown about so liberally. Yeah. In a classic definition. Uh, yeah. freely. And and just looking at UW and and they've got quite a few classes here. I don't know. They do,
1: can... yeah, yeah, and I'm sure that they have more they, they than have a
2: lot. But... They, they huh? have a center for misinformation, essentially. Yes,
1: yeah, oh yeah, you found their center. If you want to plop that in the chat here, I can I can share that if viewers want to see their center. And you know, and it it's it's so frustrating because so much of what is being used uh, created to be a tool um, against us here I'm gonna do this and go ahead and um, add this uh, the center uh, for an informed public yeah <laughs>
2: they our word
1: yeah so to, that and they're really good at that I mean one reason why we have not completely been banned from social media is because we know they mine everything they, we say and they do their best to use our words and our approach and then put a spin on it back in their own direction. We we know they do this. Um, did I tell you that the other day I was looking for, I did a search for regenerative farming and the first 10, 15 hits brought me to the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization. They the, Everything that we believe in, they try to co-op that language. And, you know, I really want to be careful. You know, and there's, there's this thing called One Health. I think we've talked about One Health on this program before. Um, One Health really, as far as I can see, it was around 2015, it began to gain momentum. And, it, and the approach of it is really something pretty wonderful that I would agree with the surface of it. In that human health, environmental health and animal health, the health of the planet are all intertwined. I absolutely believe that. We all have to be healthy, not pollute the planet. The health of the soil is the health of our gut, is the health of our immune system and the health of our brains, absolutely. But this one health concept has been co-opted to mean that you have to ban using um, gas stoves for cooking. Um, you need to be uh, limited on how much meat you eat. You you have to be you have to get whatever protocol we say is right for this disease. And this disease is only here because of climate change, right? This all of these other narratives that are providing or attempting to have individuals hand willingly hand over their freedoms and their their choices um, has been co opted. So how do we How do we throw out the bathwater in many of these areas without throwing out the baby? Because we want a clean environment. We want healthy soil, but we absolutely need freedom. It's a delicate balance. Um, Right.
2: I've seen too often. And of course, the argument goes the other way now where COVID hesitancy was made political, but it's, it's politicians that, that often want to, uh, step in and become the heroes when things are uh, going to turn out okay anyway. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that as well with uh, you know, the misinformation that we're, we're dealing with here, where they want to come in and try to be the heroes, even though people are hearing the correct messaging.
1: Yeah. I mean, truly, if we ever get to a state, it's, it's very concerning what they're doing to um, Donald Trump. The charges in order to try to and, you know, the views expressed, I'll say again, are just Bernadette's and I'm not choosing any candidate here. This isn't about candidacy. This is about the fact that as we're heading toward an election year, you've got a prime, a, a leading candidate um, being uh, with the Department of Justice somewhat being weaponized to continue to throw charges at him, including not allowing to have free speech, it's it's very concerning. And um, I guess I can't. There, well, there was one other. I think I can mention this here again. This isn't me stumping for any candidate at all. It's just what the heck is going on when you've got individuals. So the let's just say the current administration in the White House was asked to provide Secret Service coverage to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Um, as he campaigned. Now, it's my understanding that uh, presidential candidates, um, if they feel like their life is in jeopardy, they can do this, they can ask for Secret Service help and it can be granted, but this has been denied him. Um, And that's very concerning. And if you just have to look at the, the history of the Kennedy family, to know that um, there is, and 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 his being very vocal on very controversial subjects, um, that um, it's very concerning to me that politics are uh, are being used here. And I guess that's enough of me. I don't want to enter into the slippery slope of, slope of it's right it's, next year or so, Bob. It's going to be difficult to talk about specific issues without seeming to side and we cannot get political and I don't want to get um political behind candidates, but by gum, um there's a lot going on here.
2: <laughs> well and and don't forget, well, I think we could probably talk about the the misinformation label that was splattered around RFK's testimony on yes. the censorship. Uh, Panel. I think you probably all discussed that in the previous show, but no,
1: we haven't. Oh, okay. Okay. Let Let's talk about that because he he had been he was at a private dinner party, and um, oh, I wish we had that video somebody put together that that showed exactly what was going on. But and and I hope I don't misstate everything that happened. But he was at private dinner party, and he was discussing the fact that um, COVID. SARS-CoV-2, the virus, appears to affect uh, uh, white people. And who else was it affected more greatly? Um, was it um,
2: Ashkenazi Jews?
1: No, it, it, it tended to spare the Ch- Asian oh, okay. Chinese. Or I see, I'm going to get myself in trouble here by not knowing. But it seemed to spare one, some groups of people other, rather than others. And so at this cr- congressional hearing, um, he was attacked and said they were saying this is a racist remark and he was just citing although he didn't in that dinner conversation actually give you the citation for the National Institute of Health Studies but he was referring to studies that showed that certain populations tended to be more susceptible to SARS-COV2 than others and you know this is this is true for all even natural made viruses you will have some populations depending on where they live or whatever, more susceptible. Um, And it was published about SARS-CoV-2 being, but they would not let him say that at that congressional hearing. They accused him of it. And then every time he tried to defend himself and explain, they just ran over the top of him. That's not justice. That's not how this country is supposed to be. That is, um, what's that term for when, um, in other countries where they do this, there's a term, Bob, I'm having to enter side of, things. I'm usually down the rabbit hole of medical freedom and form consent. Not all these, um, there's a word for it. It'll come to me and people are listening, going Bernadette and they're shouting the term, but I don't know what it is. It'll come to me in my sideways brain.
2: Um, but at any rate, this story is just an amazing example of how a person's words are, are twisted and and against them. Yeah. And in this case, it was, it was attempted to, be used to censor him during a censorship committee hearing
1: since yeah yeah the absurdity of that and i guess to educate our listeners it just goes to show more than ever on both sides of this issue please 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 you know if somebody accuses somebody of something do your due diligence it has never been more important to do your due diligence and go try to find out the truth go explore what as much deep factual primary information on both sides of the issue so you can decide for yourself where you stand who you believe is telling the truth what i love about at least in my pretty big circle of people in this whole medical freedom movement we're pretty good about self-policing bob so you know I I have written to some of our top doctors and and, and different uh, organizations. If I read something that I feel isn't quite accurate, I'll write to them and I'll send them the citation, say, I don't think you quite worded that right or this isn't quite right. And they will thank me. Right. Thank you. We appreciate it because they on our side, we try so hard to self-correct, to self-police, to try to earnestly learn and change and grow but um you don't see that everywhere but really if you want to live an informed life these days it's it gets more and more challenging doesn't it to find out where the truth is um because there's so much noise out there and it it
2: true true yeah there's so much noise and even when i think i found the the right source information i'm still skeptical right i feel like i'm just uh paralyzed by analysis again
1: It seems like, though, if we come back to the basics and quiet ourselves, go stand out in the grass, ground a little bit with the earth and just quietly think about what we do know, what we do know about health and life and honesty and, you know, working together just so many aspects, the fundamentals of being a decent human being on this planet, about the health of of individuals in this planet that we can kind of calm down a little bit and understand that so much that the fear that's being being pushed out there is just fear it's fear for fear's sake um and that i think helps us you know find find the truth of of what's going on does it even really matter If somebody intentionally designed SARS-CoV-2 to attack one, they, I guess the race doesn't really exist anymore. I don't, I'm even confused about how we even say any of that, but we're all humans. But was it designed for some humans to be more affected than others? Possibly, but what's important? What's important is we understand how to keep our immune systems healthy and find practitioners aligned with our approach to health and wellness and be prepared to, to address um, our own health needs. So right now, the most important thing that we can do is get healthy. The most patriotic thing that you can do is to get healthy. The most important thing you can do to protect your family is to get
2: healthy. Would yeah, you the would, one thing yeah. I like to remind our public health agencies about when I get my two, three minutes is you can't have public health without individual health. So there's still that responsibility on families and and, and individuals to, to, to do spend that time to get yourself healthy
1: exactly and I'll quote Kathy Lofi former chief science officer for Washington state public health policy set at the population level and individual medical decisions by doctors and patients are supposed to be done at the individual level recommendations coming down from the federal government are just that recommendations set at a very high population level you can if you start what they're trying to force Bob is that public health level standard of care down to the individual level. And you do that, you're going to have collateral damage. It's impossible not to have um, collateral collateral damage from that. Um, you know what I'd love to do is right now, if you don't mind, can we share some some events that are coming up that people might want to take note of and, and make sure they get on their calendars?
2: Sure. So, yeah, in, yeah, in Washington, uh, we're tracking a few events and, and at least one nationally as well. So...
1: Yeah. Uh, Shall we next- start... Let's start here with this Great Northwest Awakening. I've got that. Um, Let's pull that up. So there's this. Do you know uh, about this? Can you describe it for us?
2: Right. So in Southwest Washington, uh, a a group of patriots have stood up, and they've been holding events for over three years now, really nice, uh, well-organized, highly attended events. And the Great Northwest Awakening is their next event on October 21st. So, you have a couple months here to still plan. And uh, the group here is uh, organizing uh, quite a few speakers. It's going to be almost a day long event at the Ridgefield, uh, Clark County Fairgrounds in, in Ridgefield, Washington. And it, it finishes up with some good, hard country rock uh, by a military veteran who's gone and, and done, uh, put a band together, Ryan Weaver. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Personally familiar with the genre.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> but wow. you've got. Um, it's Saturday, October twenty first, yep. ten a.m. to nine p.m. So you've got time to get it on your calendar. You know, the older you get, Bob, the faster this time moves. You blank. Oh it yeah, October. Um, but let's,
2: let's scroll down if you can on the video here, and I'll just highlight a couple of the speakers they have confirmed.
1: Oh yeah, are you not seeing that? Uh, seeing wait, I'm not seeing the, the okay. Let me see what I can share this tab instead. Are you seeing there we go. that now? Perfect. There we go. Good, yep. good.
2: And, and now you, uh, on online we're showing the different speakers who are confirmed. We've been working to get a couple other speakers added to this still, uh, crossing fingers, but we've got in the health freedom front, there's Dr. Emmanuel from uh, Frontline Doctors.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: we've got Dr. Brian Artis, who's been doing some deep research on the contents of some of the vaccines. Uh, he'll be speaking and Pete Serrano from Silent Majority Foundation, uh, we do uh, respect their work greatly. They're yes. all freedom lawyers in the state and uh, always want to support them. And and he'll be speaking along with Representative Jim Walsh, uh, Glenn Morgan, great state activist. And they'll be covering election integrity as well. They've got Dr. Dave, uh, Paul, I forget his first name now. Uh, I Douglas do fact. too, but, but I did
1: I met Dr. Frank when I was still living out there in Washington, and it was wonderful Mm -hmm. to meet him and hear his presentation and and see his work. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. So to me, it's an an amazing lineup, expecting a lot of people, and it should be a lot of fun and a a good cause. And so that's, again, October 21st, Southwest Washington, uh, Ridgefield, the the Clark County Fairgrounds uh, should be a a great event. So go to patriotsunitedwa.com to look in and get some tickets
1: wonderful thank you so much for that okay so then the next thing that we're going to be talking about here bob is let's see um what what was the other one you had i see i feel like there was another one but i've got two that's the great awakening what was the other thing you had bob
2: okay no i should have been mentioning uh september 15th and 16th will be supporting the Fest, also in
3: West
2: Washington?
1: Yeah, let me go see. uh, I'll go look for that again while you go ahead and start talking about it. Okay,
2: great. um, Yeah, so uh, annually, Fest is a regional chiropractic convention where they uh, encourage – they have around 500 chiropractors come and attend uh, motivational speakers and a lot of continuing education credits uh, for various tracks and and lectures and uh, clinical education, so – uh, that's a, they, they make it a lot of fun. Uh, they, it's almost as good as what, uh, they have down in Southern California. the the jam Cal jam, I think they were yeah. for a while where they have rock and roll bands in the middle of, uh, all their convention.
1: Yeah. You Actually,
2: know, interesting. I- I'm just thinking back, my dad took me to quite a few of these chiropractic conventions. He was grooming me to be a chiropractor and I- Oh, but yeah, they're, but you, inspirational you the speakers they get and their their stories and their studies and 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 the jokes I can still remember some of the jokes, <laughs> so anyway, this is I guess the shout out a reminder to chiropractors that this is uh, occurring September fifteenth and sixteenth at the Hilton in Vancouver fantastic we'll Vancouver
1: there.
2: washington <laughs> Vancouver Washington, yeah. Yes, and so we'll we'll have a table there. We're going to have a table. We're working together with Informed Choice, uh, Washington Children's Self Defense, Washington, and Children's Self Defense, Oregon.
1: Wonderful. Yeah, that that I wish I could be there. That is going to be such fun. Now a a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so, I lose track of time. We had a wonderful chiropractor on, and I've just lost her name in my head. But do you remember she was from um, up in the Burlington? Uh, Mount Vernon area. Anyway, she's fan. I got it. We got to have her on the show again. Um, so a lot of you have heard us talk about chiropractic care, but if you're new to it, it ain't just about back pain people. Chiropractic care, especially when you hear some of these wonderful chiropractors describe what it is, how it, it helps, helps your entire body by just making sure the energy can flow and the healing can happen it it, i don't describe it well the chiropractors it really is an amazing uh, medical approach and they can be your primary care physician non-pharmaceutical primary care physician is my understanding it might depend on the state you're in no well
2: i think yeah in in washington still i believe they can't technically be listed uh, as a primary care physician.
1: Okay. Well, it doesn't mean you can't can't choose them yourself and in your own head, have them be your primary care.
2: Exactly. (laughs) That's that's pretty much what I do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, And, you know, we have the wonderful Yale Cantor, who is a chiropractor on our board of informed choice, Washington Um, have such respect for this. They have resisted um, using pharmaceuticals. It's just all about healing the body by by helping the body heal itself through, um, you know, letting go of where the trapped energy is. And I'm not going to do it justice. I'm going to quit talking because well, I, I don't know I, that I,
2: I can <laughs> mention a couple things about it. Yes, but, but yes, yeah, do do. I mean, yes, really, it's it's about keeping your spine in line and, and letting the energy flow. Your nervous system is uh, intrinsic, obviously, to the functioning of every organ in your body. Yes. And and that was I found out this very interesting because I've been working in another freedom group with an osteopath and she mentioned, oh, yeah, chiropractic is an offshoot of osteopathy. Really? And I had to go back in the history books and I found an article that talks about it. And I think, yeah, it's true. But chiropractors believe that nerve flow, your nervous system is the answer to correct bodily healthy mm-hmm. body function.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And and therefore they make sure the nerve down the spine and spine is an amazing. And uh, with your spinal yeah. column, it's an amazing organ. I'll tell you what. And, and, and to free that nerve flow, you can pinch a nerve. You can pinch a nerve. It will stop the nerve flow and your body won't function well. So you got to free that up. They split from the osteopaths. The osteopaths do spinal manipulation. Sometimes but they believe osteopaths believe it's blood; it's the oh. blood itself where healing occurs. Mm. So it's a the way if I could just put it into a, a nutshell, it's blood health versus nerve health, and that's what differentiates the osteopath philosophy versus chiropractors. So uh, I think you need both. If I if I'm going to be uh, making an opinion right now, very yeah. opinion, <laughs> you, need you need both blood health and uh, nerve health,
1: right? And in my experience with chiropractors, they they also it's not like they just don't believe you are what you eat because they do. They also are highly educated on and they advise their patients. In my experience, on you know the right way to eat, they a lot of times know about herbs, um, different supplements, um, you know, so they are, um, able to advise you in that way, how to achieve health. It's not, you can keep, you know, poisoning yourself, uh, through bad food and, and expect, I'll just go get an adjustment next week and it'll take care of it. You, you still have to take care of yourself, but yeah. Um, so we need to get chiro, I I need to get that chiropractor back on and, and some of the others and,
2: well, it's a chiropractor in our membership who reminded us of, yes, let's start yeah. talking to the chiropractic association yeah. again. Let's make sure we're uh, talking to ChiroFest. And the idea is just to make sure that they know we're aware, we're there for advocacy, if they want to refer their patients to us for any support mm-hmm. in state laws. And-, and you said again, <laughs> what's the dates? For?
1: What are the dates I'm looking for? Oh, they'll get there. Children's Health Defense, Oregon, Children's Health Defense, Tennessee, I mean, Washington.
2: Yeah. I'm in Tennessee. And
1: there's Informed Twist Washington. The dates, though,
2: I... September 15 and 16.
1: Okay. So yeah. they you need to go uh, sign up and attend. And you don't have to be a chiropractor to attend, right? I mean, it's going to be... That's correct.
2: No, you, okay. can, you can go, but it's really geared for the, the chiropractic practitioner
3: mm-hmm. and
2: the continuing education credits that they'll get. I imagine some key office staff would probably go to mm-hmm. learn more. Again, my father brought me. So yeah, family's may mm-hmm.
1: to go. Okay, that that's really cool. Thank you so much for that. And then um, I want to share one that we have um, upcoming soon in Tennessee. Um, It's called, um, let me go to here and bring it in. This is called American Conversations on Pharma Corruption and Pharma Reform. It's going to be in Nashville, Tennessee on the 21st of this month, August 21st. It is corresponds with the first day of Governor Lee's proposed special session to talk about mental health and public safety. So it's a very timely conversation by this. Um, uh, let me read to you, I guess, a little bit about who this is. Uh, We'll just see what it says in here a little bit, because I I was just sent this a little bit earlier today and haven't had time much to read it, although I'm going to be there helping out at this event, uh, American Conversations. It's Monday, August 21st at the Capitol Theater in Lebanon, Tennessee, which is right there by Nashville. It's at 6 p.m. The doors open. The program is from seven to nine. Um, with question and answer. Tickets are 25 bucks. You get food and refreshment. Um, and so the panelists are Andrew Thibault, co-founder of Parents Against Pharmaceutical Abuse. Thibault prevailed in a pro se FOIA suit against the FDA, obtaining over 700 drug adverse event reports linking psychotropic medications to violence. Uh, and he directed the documentary film, Speed Demons, Killing for Attention. Also speaking is Kim Mack Rosenberg, Children's Health Defense Acting General Counsel, who's been involved in the vaccine choice and health freedom movement for almost 20 years. We have Amy Miller, Children's Health Defense Director of Reform Pharma and co-founder of the Tennessee Coalition for Vaccine Choice. Uh, Tom Floyd is a retired Lieutenant Colonel of the United States Air Force and co-founder of Wings for Liberty and Justice. Rolf Hazelhurst, father of vaccine-injured son uh, who has fought for pharma um, compensation in court for 20 years. He's also an attorney. The moderator is Christine Dolan, Um, cdms i got to look up what that means that i think it has to do with the conversations here senior editor chief investigative journalist and american conversations co-founder so uh, it's going to be a fabulous absolutely timely very important event we uh, really hope a lot of people do attend let's pack the house because we really need bob real solutions to what's going on today with with public safety, with mental health, with these pharmaceutical prescriptions that come with black box warnings that are very alarming. Um, And this is a public discussion that very much needs to happen. So I encourage people in in Tennessee to come attend uh, this very important discussion. And I encourage you to invite your legislator too they need to hear these things as well.
2: There needs to be more daylight on that subject. Ugh. Absolutely. It's just, yeah. it's just another, uh, it's like the same old thing happening with another kind of uh, drug pharmaceutical product. Just yes. let's, you'll hear only one side of the information. Everything's all safe and effective. Yeah. And we're we're heading out very, very disturbing anecdotes if you want to call yeah. that. And it, Obviously, it's very grave. It's such a grave situation that it needs to be dug into.
1: You know, it very much parallels with what we were talking about in the first hour, about the capture of the medical system by the pharmaceutical industry um, through their uh, marketing approach and their capture of the media, their capture of standard of care by their sort of illicit drive to drive prescriptions up. I was really alarmed to hear Dr. Moon say that a pharmaceutical rep walked into her office and was able to list how many prescriptions of which drugs she had given over the past couple of months. That's scary. Um, It doesn't
2: surprise me, though. It doesn't surprise me, and I want to get a hold of that information. I think we should be able to get the the de identified information on all the prescriptions that have been trending for a while over the last three years. I'd love to see the amount of blood thinners, the psych drugs, Mm. all of that must have increased to a to a great excess level. If we can understand the excess level of prescriptions, uh, we can see that additional collateral damage or Mm -hmm. or harms that Dr. Bardosh has talked about in his study. as Well, yeah, the societal harms that have taken place, these need to be documented. We can't do this again. You've got to be kidding me.
3: Yeah.
1: But when the the medical model, the financial model for setting up a medical practice these days is based on the 10 minute visit, Mm. where you go in, you get a, you barely have time to, to say what your symptoms are, the physician is encouraged to just stick to standard of care for that symptom. You're written a prescription and you go. And when this is applied to ADHD, anxiety, depression, inability to sleep, you know, so many other issues where they just here here's the prescription drug. Bob, if you look at the CDC's recommendation for ADHD, It says for children up till, I think it's four or five years old, um, behavioral therapy for ADHD first, and then drugs as a second choice along with the behavioral therapy. I think that's a cutoff is about age five. Above age five, the CDC says their recommended approach is behavioral therapy plus drugs. So the CDC is pushing drugs for this. You know, it's very, very consistent. Children as young as six. We know they are prescribed to children as young as three. And so, you you know, you're in your practice. It's the 10-minute model. You just hear a little bit. Here's the drug. Off I go. Boom, 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 you know. And if you deviate, everybody's so afraid. I, If you don't do the standard of care, am I going to get sued? because you know the child didn't fare well and I wasn't doing the standard of care. There seems to be no repercussion if the child did really poorly because you did standard of care. Because we don't measure outcomes anymore, we measure uptake, uptake of product, uptake of standard of care. Everything is measured by what the doctors are prescribing and not the health outcome. Mm. Do you remember once, um, I think it was about a year or so ago, that there was an individual working um, in a hospital system who saw that the the computer was flagging the COVID-19 shots as being inappropriate to prescribe because it was the patients were beginning to be diagnosed with COVID-19 so it was somehow being flagged as a as a failed product (laughs) Um, but outcomes are not measured just uptake and that that's such a concern Uh, anyway so the the last thing bob let's talk about um as far as events anyway we're down to about the last six minutes or seven minutes so the show is the big annual conference coming up for children's health defense it's so exciting it's going to be november 3rd through the 5th in savannah georgia um i i mean they're pulling out all the stops this is going to be holy cow an amazing conference uh, have you ever been to savannah georgia before
2: yeah i did i was there a couple of years ago it's definitely a, a a nice little spot unique in the u.s it's
1: yeah it is um going to see if I can make this um bigger to show it is a, a beautiful city um I was there once just for a short time and uh way before I like got into the movement I was actually writing a, a novel and happened to be visiting some in-laws at the time and and I have a a book that might not ever see the light of day that <laughs> had some scenes in <laughs> historic Savannah, Georgia. Uh, let's see if we if they've got here sponsor and exhibitor. No, that's the application. So. Um, CHD's Robert F. Kennedy, Jr., Chairman on Leave, will be making an appearance. Uh, Mary Holland, President on Leave, will be there. There's going to be special guests. I don't think we have a list yet, do we? Oh, wait, we we'll need speakers. On, Here we go. a little bit
2: there, deeper,
1: yeah. There did it jump over to the speakers? Yep. fabulous there we go so we got bobby kennedy jr catherine austin Fitz. she's so fantastic on the whole what's going on financially and what you need to do what i you know what i love about i love so many things about catherine but she gives you hands-on tools it's not just here's the problem here's the problem be afraid she's like here's the problem and here's the solution go Mm -hmm. do it and it's just you just have to have you just got to get off you know you know get up and do it <laughs> and i'm moving in that direction i i love one of her her sayings is make cash great again <laughs> and i've got to get better at at spending cash and not using credit um dr asim mahatra is going to be there that's exciting he's that british cardiologist that has been speaking up uh, dr andrew wakefield who's been one of my heroes for a very long time so admire him Uh, He's a brilliant man and amazingly humble. And
2: uh, I think I may wear. He's probably my biggest hero on the list so far. Yeah, I probably will end up wearing my Wakefield was right t-shirt.
1: Yeah, there you go. I like it. I like it. And then the wonderful Dr. Brian Hooker, who we love. He's among many things. He is the one that um, Dr. Bill Thompson, William Thompson of the CDC uh, confessed to about fraud with the 2004, I think it was, autism MMR study. Um, and Dr. Suzanne Humphreys, who's been in this a long time, she's a, is it called a nephrologist, Bob, where you, uh, a kidney specialist,
2: kidney specialist, yes.
1: And yeah, so 2008 is when she woke up because she was working in a hospital, and her kidney patients were telling her in her interview that she, they never had any kidney problems at all until they got that flu shot. And so she started at first just using caution, and then putting on her patient's charts, don't give this patient a flu vaccine because she was doing research to find out was there truly an association and the hospital kept overriding her and would not. And she said, this has never happened in her career before. Anytime she suspected that a, a drug was not, or anything was not good for her patient. They never questioned her. But that really sent her down the rabbit hole. And uh, she is fantastic.
2: Absolutely love her book, Dissolving Illusions. Dissolving Illusions. Always hold that up. Always hold that book up. It's good for people who might just be a little bit hesitant and want to know a little more.
1: Yes, exactly. I better go a little more quickly here. We're getting low on time. So we've got Mary Holland, you know, who's a wonderful attorney. Laura Bono, who's the vice president of Children's Health Defense. And she's she was one of the originals who woke up Bobby Kennedy all those years ago, uh, telling him you need to look into uh, the mercury and vaccines if you're going to be getting rid of dangerous mercury from the environment. Uh, Kim Mac Rosenberg, who is the acting general counsel for Children's Health Defense. Uh, Dr. Sabine Hazan, gastroenterologist and medical researcher, Uh, Christina Parks. Oh, she's wonderful. Cellular and molecular biology. She's just brilliant in so many ways. Uh, Dr. Paul Thomas, another hero who who stood up and and now uh, he has a wonderful program with the wind. And he using his decades of practice of giving truly informed consent and studying pediatric health to um, educate parents on health and um, for their kids. Uh, Dr. Krishna Dhani Parthi, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that right. Um, Another physician, the wonderful Vera Sharav, who is a Holocaust survivor, and really sees the parallels between what happened in um, Nazi Germany and some of the atrocities that are happening today. Um, Dr. James Linesweiler, there's Jack. I get to see him. It's wonderful. I've been friends with him for a long time. He's got the great IPAC and the new IPAC.edu or dash edu, a wonderful online university where we can all learn how to read science and more. Dr. Neuschwander, the wonderful... Uh, Board certified doctor who just talks about neurodevelopment and the gut brain connection, so many good things. And How am best, I doing on there? There's so many more yeah, to go. Uh, I'm going to listen. Doctor, I'm just going to read names. Dr.
2: Noyan Schwander is the best commenter at the ASIP that's my recollection
1: oh yeah so wonderful <laughs> so i apologize for for shorting the other people i don't want to run out of time we've got tracy slepcevic author and health practitioner the wonderful zen Honeycut, moms across america jim gale tammy clark kristen megan rolf Hazelhurst, Risa evans oh i i'm just i we running out of time bob so we'll we'll be talking about it um as we move forward um so good things are going to be happening, Bob. So just everybody stay tuned, stay informed, live the life, and remember, just stay healthy. You've been listening to An Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM, KKNW, and CHD TV. We'll see you next week.
2: Hi, I'm Brian Dacus, president and founder of the Pacific Justice Institute. For over 25 years, PGI's mission has been to defend religious freedom, parental rights, and the sanctity of human life. PJI has protected patients from being taken off life support and stood up for citizens around the country facing job loss for medical decisions that should be left between them and their doctor. For free legal representation and resources,
3: visit pji.org. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you.